able to, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God as we continue our series, What is Going On This Morning, in, not only in our country, but, but in this world that we live in. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, I've entitled the message this morning, It's Time to Wake Up. Some of you, I can tell. You've been up for hours, but you're still not awake. I could tell. I'm married to somebody like that. My wife, she, she struggles in the morning, but I love her and she loves me. She probably loves me more than I love her in the mornings because I'm the one that's just, let's go, you know? And, and uh, she's like, why don't you go and leave me alone is what she said. <laughs> So 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 34, one verse this morning, and let's read this verse together, all right? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34, here we go. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this, I speak this to your shame. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day and for my privilege, God, I don't deserve it to stand in this sacred desk. And uh, Lord, thank you that as I look around the auditorium and no doubt those that are joining us by way of live stream, we're holding God's word in our hands. And the word of God is what we need in our lives to keep us straight. The problem is, is that we've gotten away from it. We've gotten away from the principles and the precepts. God, help us to return back to you, to your word. God, that if there's going to be a reviving in this land, it needs to begin with us, with me, with the church. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us clearly this morning. God, help us to set aside our preconceived ideas and notions and opinions and help us to receive the engrafted Word of God that will help us. And God, we ask all of this in your precious Son's name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I read this verse, and of course there's so much around it that we could spend time talking about, but the Bible says here in this verse, awake to righteousness. It's time to wake up. I think that's one of the hardest things for people to do every day is to wake up. Just to get out of bed, I think sometimes we want to if you're like me, and the alarm goes off, sometimes you want to just grab a hammer and smash the clock, you know? I just want to destroy that clock for going off so early in the morning. But sometimes I find that it's difficult to wake out of sleep. I don't know if you're like me, but I, there are times I saw one time a person on their cell phone. Uh, if you've ever seen this, maybe you have this on your phone. If you do, you don't have to show it to anyone unless you're proud of it, but you can set different alarms on your phone, on your smartphone, and I saw somebody's phone one time that literally had an entire row of an alarms that every 15 minutes, there you go. Don't tell me if that's your phone. You know, a lot of times people, they, they, they just can't wake themselves up and they need that extra, if you're like me, I can't stand the sound of the alarm clock, you know, so once is enough for me. I want to get up and get out of bed. But the question this morning as we look at 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34 is, are you awake? God's asking us today, are we awake spiritually? I mean, it's one thing to be awake physically. But I'm afraid that so many of God's people are sound asleep, spiritually speaking. The Bible says in Romans 13, look at it, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than 
when we believe the night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Look, how many of you are saved this morning? Watch this. If you're saved, would you agree that you're closer to heaven today than you were the day you got saved? Absolutely. The Bible says here that now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And the Bible says it's now is the time, knowing the time. Folks, look, I'm not a date setter. I can't say when the Lord's going to come back or when this whole thing is going to end. But I'll tell you what, you can clearly see there are some things going on. And the Bible says now, knowing the time, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. The Bible says redeeming the time for the days are evil. We're living in some evil days. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, go to the ant thou sluggard. Consider her ways. You ever watch ants? I watch them for a while and then I go, they're amazing. So small to us. But they're very industrious. I mean, they're working. Uh, They're either carrying food or this or that or whatever. And the Bible tells us that we should go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. In other words, watch how they, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gather her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Get a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. Hey, we can learn from even the ant this morning. We just need to wake up, folks, spiritually speaking. The word sluggard is not a good word. God doesn't bless and God doesn't use lazy people. And the Bible says, be wise, learn from the ant. 1 Thessalonians 5, ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, because we are the children of the day, let us not sleep as others do. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a, a, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Look, one of the easiest things to do in the morning as that alarm goes off is to hit that button up there. Somebody tell me what that button is. That's the snooze button. Don't act like you don't know what that button is. You know very well that's your favorite button. Matter of fact, some of you have probably had to replace your clock because you wore that button out. Do you just reach up and hit that snooze? And then you reach up and hit that snooze. You just continue to hit that snooze button because you don't want to wake up. You want to keep sleeping. And I'll tell you, when you think about this, many times, spiritually speaking, what do we do? The same thing. We reach over unconsciously and we hit that snooze button. Here in this one verse, verse 34 of 1 Corinthians 15. In one verse, God actually gives us some alarms that are going off. Now, I'm afraid the problem is, is that as Christians, even this morning, we'll see them and we'll say, yeah, I know that. But if we really understood these were God's alarms, then spiritually speaking, we wouldn't reach over and hit the snooze button. We would awake to righteousness. God's alarms are going off. There are four of them, and I'll tell you, it's real easy, spiritually speaking, again, to just reach over and hit that snooze button, but God is saying to us, look, I don't want you to do it later. I don't want you to wait until tomorrow or when you get older to serve me. God says, look, I want you to pay attention to these alarms that I'm showing you here in the Word of God this morning, and I want to encourage you today, do not reach over and hit that snooze button. Notice the first alarm with me this morning. The first alarm that God gives is the alarm of righteousness. 
the alarm of righteousness, Proverbs 14, 34. You probably have heard this many times, but boy, is this not true. Righteousness exalteth a nation. But look at the rest of the verse. But sin is a reproach to any people. That is describing our land today. America is in such a mess, and God is saying to us this morning, and really every day that he's given us on this earth, that you and I, we need to awake to righteousness. The question is not about your spouse this morning or about someone else in the church or someone else in your life. Are you living a righteous life? Now, I know the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing good about us. But when God saved you, his righteousness was imputed to you. So that when God looks at you, instead of seeing us as a dirty, filthy sinner, he sees us like he sees his own dear son. Are you, now that you're saved, are you living a righteous life or are you living a sinful life? Most people, when you talk to them about sin, they really don't understand what sin is. Now, this has all been the work of the devil. By the way, you have to count in the flesh. And see, we're living in a day where everything is glossed over. Everything, the terminologies are changed. People are good at justifying what they're doing instead of calling it what God calls it, which is sin. I know this isn't popular. Pastor, I came to church this morning to get encouraged. Well, sometimes some messages are not exactly what we would want them to be. But people don't understand what sin is. They think that something is not wrong unless they get caught. Folks, that is true. If they can get away with it, there's nothing wrong with it. I didn't get caught. Hey, ask that guy that's going to be in court maybe in a couple of weeks that was caught by the police on Pines Boulevard on the other side of 75 doing 122 miles an hour. Devon, how much was that ticket going to cost you? <laughs> I'll tell you how much this ticket was, $1,000. And he has to appear in court. I'll be honest with you, he doesn't deserve a license. 122 miles, I don't even know how you, I can't get from one light to the other. They just keep turning red. <laughs> he had to be running lights. Can you imagine if you and your family were on Pines when that maniac was driving that car? It's by the grace of God that someone didn't lose their life, even the person behind the wheel. You see, that's, that's the way we are when it comes to sin. We think that, there's nothing is wrong unless we get caught. How about the slogan that came out years ago, don't drink and drive? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Boy, what a great idea. Don't drink and drive. You know what the philosophy of don't drink and drive is? The philosophy is go ahead and sin, just don't get caught. People say, well, pastor, I never heard that before. You know what the Bible says? don't drink. The Bible says, don't drink. See, a lot of people don't like that. But look what the Word of God says in Proverbs 20 and verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby, what's those last three words? It's not wise. If you look at that verse, you know what, you know what that is? That's actually God's polite way of saying that if you drink, you're a fool. That's what the Word of God says. You're not wise. Proverbs 23, 29. Woe, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes. And then the answer comes, they that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an otter. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Boy, when people are drinking and they're under the influence of alcohol, they do all kinds of things they would never do. 
The Bible says here that thine eyes shall behold strange women, thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, thou shalt say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Isn't it amazing how just like a pig goes back to the slop, that somebody that gets drunk and does crazy things will go right back to the bottle? Go right back to what bit them the night before. The Bible tells us that God says that we should not partake of that. People say all the time, well, I can control that. No, you can't. The Bible says you can't. The world says, go ahead. Have your fun and sin. You watch, and of course, I haven't anymore because of all the political protesting and all that. I mean, they just... You know, they take something that was fun, like maybe a football season, and they just corrupt it. Did you ever notice how all the commercials are all for alcohol? Can't sit and watch a game anymore. It's all about the alcohol and the scantily clad people on the advertisements. The world says, go ahead and have your fun. Get your designated drivers so that you can go ahead and be a designated drunk. That's what the world says. Go ahead and sin and don't get caught. By the way, that's the same philosophy that the world came up with, with having safe sex. It's amazing. The millions of dollars that have been spent on this, how that we can have safe sex I saw the other day, and I, I don't follow it, I don't go on it, I don't have the app, I'm not against it this morning, but TikTok is showing children, virtually, children, how to have safe sex. Folks, I'm telling you, I could tell you some things this morning that would turn your head, but the truth is, many of us have knowledge of it. See, this philosophy of having safe sex, go ahead, have your fun, just don't get caught doing it. The Bible says what? Outside of marriage, no sex. That's what the Word of God says. But look at the Bible in Hebrews 13. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but murderers and adulterers, God will judge. That's what the Bible says. God did, yes, he made us sexual beings. The woman is a very emotional being and, and is relational, and yet the man is oftentimes driven by his desires, and you find this in the Word of God. This is the way God has created us, that the woman's basic need is love, and the man's basic need is respect or reverence. You find that in the Word of God. And when we look at this verse here, yes, God has made us sexual beings. But listen, he has placed that sex within the bounds of marriage. And yet people don't like that. Man has come up with common law marriage. Where if you just live together for a certain number of years, the law, the, the government considers you married. Hey, listen, that's not what God has intended when it comes to the union between a man and a woman. And yet this is what we see many times in our society. Think about what the Bible says all the way back in the book of the beginnings, in the book of Genesis, the very thing that God said to man in Genesis 1.28, God blessed them, talking about the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God says, look, I want you to have children. I want you to replenish the earth. So in other words, when you look at these verses and many others, this matter of sex inside the boundary of marriage is something that is sacred. It's honorable in the sight of God. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4. But notice again what he says in the end of Verse 4 of Hebrews 13, he says, whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. You know why? Because people that are whoremongers and, and adulterers, 
They have stepped out of the bounds that God has intended. Some of you are kind of trying to figure this out this morning. Let me, let me bring it into maybe more understandable terms this morning. If you've ever watched a sporting event, let, let, let's take, uh, okay, basketball and football. There's boundaries. There's an out of bounds. So if you're on a basketball court and the ball goes out of bounds or you step on the line or the ball hits the line, it's out of bounds. You're out of bounds. If you're on a football field, you have all those many yards from one end zone to the other and you have sidelines, if the ball or the player goes over those sidelines, they're out of bounds. So when you think about this matter of marriage and this matter of, of sex the way God has intended it to be, then understand that God has given us some boundaries. And here's the thought. If you want to call it this, you can play the game all you want as long as you stay in bounds. Do you get it? As long as you stay in God's boundaries, then your marriage will be what God's intended it to be. But it's when you get outside the boundaries, that's when you become one of those that, according to the Bible, God will judge. The world says, go ahead and sin. But just be careful when you're indulging in the things you're indulging in. And you know, I love the word of God because many times people say, well, pastor, you know, there's just not a verse. I'll tell you, a lot of times when you're trying to find a verse to justify, you're on a dangerous path. You shouldn't have to have a Bible verse for everything. You know, somebody said, well, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. Well, if, if God intended us to smoke cigarettes, then God would have put a chimney on top of our head. But let me give you a great verse. If you don't know this verse, this would be a good one for you to memorize because I call this verse God's filter. I want you to look at it there with me this morning, Colossians 3, 17. Notice the Bible says, and whatsoever, what's that word? And what? Say it again. And whatsoever. Does that include everything? That includes everything. Look at the verse. Whatsoever you do, in word, word, what you say, or deed, what you do. Whatever we say, whatever we do, do how much? Do all of it in the name of who? The Lord Jesus. See, people say all the time, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter. If you're saved this morning... The Bible says, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Folks, that's a pretty good filter right there. So when you look at that verse there, and you think about this verse, hey, look, that's a filter that you can run everything in your life through. Okay, well, I'm about ready to do this. I got to have a thought. Run that through the filter. If that thought is something that would not please the Lord, you shouldn't be thinking that. Okay, God, I, I have this certain attitude about something. Run that through the filter. If that attitude does not please the Lord, then you shouldn't have that attitude. This is what the Word of God teaches us. If the answer to these questions is no, then you know what God calls that thought, that attitude? He calls it S. I-N. That's what God calls it. I see the world today. Pastor, do you have to talk that way? No, I don't, but the Bible does. The Word of God calls it for what it is. See, we want to water things down. Why? Because our flesh, our nature, it makes us feel better. So, how many of you remember when you were a kid? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date myself and some of you this morning. How many of you, when you were a kid, do you remember how awful medicine tasted? Raise your hand. Okay, everybody look around. Everybody's hands is up. You ought to feel sorry for us because we're the ones that were the ones that they ran all that nasty stuff through. And nowadays, it's bubblegum flavored, <laughs> cherry flavored. That's not medicine. That's... Candy, that's what that is. 
But when I think about this, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to just maybe put a little sugar with it. We want to change it a little bit. Listen, folks, you know, we don't need to change the Bible. We just need to study it and teach it and to preach it the way God's given it to us. So when I look at these verses here and so many others, when we choose, how about this? He said, whatsoever you do in word. Hey, why, why would a Christian let words that are slang words and curse words come out of their mouth? God's people ought not to cuss. Out of the same mouth, mouth should not come bitter and sweet. There's something wrong there when out of a Christian's mouth comes a word. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I remember when I first got saved and God changed me from my, my inside out. I remember one time I was with my wife and we were with some other couples and I, I said something in that, that meeting there and whatever I said they all kind of looked at me, and what was sad was many of them laughed. I didn't really know what I said. She probably remembers. I looked over, and I go, what did I say? And so she whispered. She said, you said it. And I said, so? I didn't know that that was a bad word. There's a difference between ignorance and rebellion. So you can't claim ignorance when you have knowledge of it. Taking God's name in vain. Do you know that OMG doesn't please God? It doesn't. I mean, people walk in, my wife, she likes to watch some of these, I really wish she would quit, she likes to watch these home remodeling shows. Anytime she watches home remodeling, something's going to happen at her house, and I'm going to be the one doing it. And almost invariably, at the end of every one of them, when they've spent 50, 80, 100,000 remodeling some house, the couple walks in the door, and the first thing they say when they open the door, and I'm not even going to say it again. But if Jesus wouldn't say, OMG, then why should we? As Christians, we spout out, we use God's name in vain all the time, and yet we wonder why the world speaks the way they do when Christians use those words and those terms. Hey, how about this? When you text them, oh, pastor, it's just abbreviations. Might as well be saying it, because everybody knows what it is. I know what I'm talking about. God says, whatsoever you do in word, or D, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, we, we, we're, we're really good at calling things what we want. Look at the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, look at these last two words, knowing what? Knowing nothing. Look, there's one, I, I think one of the fallacies many times in our lives is we think, we think that if we would just hang around somebody long enough that maybe we can help them in the right direction. But the problem is more times than none, what happens is they pull us down. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So here's what happens is, before long, their language becomes ours. And look, I have friends that I love, but guess what? I can't hang around them. You know why? Because they do not consent to wholesome words. A Christian should not be spewing out the words of this world. I went with one of our men yesterday, and we had a great time. The two of us, we had a great time. But the people that we ended up having to be around really made the, the entire afternoon a challenge. 
because of the, the vulgar language. Folks, I know we live in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. The Bible says, if any man teach otherwise, the words Christians use, listen to me, should be the words Jesus uses. Well, pastor, I just don't want to be so Bible-oriented. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with the Word of God. I'm not saying you've got to be a walking Bible, but if Jesus were here, I'm sure that Jesus wouldn't say some of the things that maybe some of his children are saying today. What is God saying to us? Listen, that first alarm that's going on in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34, God is telling us to awake to righteousness is what he says. Look at 1 John 2, 6. He that saith, look at this. He says he abideth in him. He ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. The things Jesus said, the way Jesus conducted himself, how he behaved himself while he was on this earth. Are you a Christian today? Do you act like Jesus? You know, if you know in the Bible, in the book of Acts, the Bible actually says in Acts chapter number 11, the disciples were called Christian first in Antioch. You know why they were called Christians? Because they were acting like Jesus. They weren't sinning and thinking, hey, it's okay as long as we don't get caught. The Bible says they were called Christians. Why? Because in their words and their deeds, they were acting like Jesus. That first alarm, don't hit the button. God says, awake to righteousness. Look at the next alarm that God has. Is he says, I want you to awake to the alarm of revival. Go back to verse 34. He says in verse number 34, I want you to look at it. He says, awake to righteousness, and what's those next two words? Sin not. Now, is that the preacher saying that this morning, or is that God Almighty? God is saying this morning, sin not. See, we think of, when you think of revival, many times, just like the word sin, we don't really understand what revival is. And listen, I don't think part of this is wrong, because what we do, and we have one on the calendar in the month of January, We'll set a time, a designated time, where we might invite an evangelist that'll come and maybe spend three days or a week sometimes or whatever. Do you know many years ago they used to hold month-long revival meetings? They'd start a revival and maybe intended to be a week long, and God would get a hold of that thing, and people would start getting saved, and people would start getting right with God, and the altars would be full. And the pastor would say to the evangelist, hey, listen, can you stay another week? And the evangelist, if he had maybe another meeting scheduled, he'd call. Is it okay if I stay? We've got revival going on here. He'd stay a second week and maybe a third week, maybe a fourth week. I've heard of revivals in the past going on six weeks. Boy, nowadays, if we hold a revival meeting longer than three days, Pastor, that's kind of an inconvenience. Maybe we need to be inconvenienced. The Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. You know, revival is something that, when we think about this, we have times in our lives, just like a revival meeting, where we get right with God. For some of you, maybe if you had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home or being in a church like this, maybe you went to summer camp. Maybe you had a youth pastor like Brother Kenny, Miss Becky, that invested in you. Maybe there was other things in your life that helped you along the way. You heard the word of God when you went to those camps and when you went to the teen department or whatever it may be, vacation Bible school, you heard the word of God and you made decisions to live for the Lord. You, you made the decision, look, I'm not going to keep doing that. And that is sin. I'm going to turn from my sin. See, God's concept of revival, we think, again, revival might be a meeting. And again, many times it is. 
But God's concept of revival is that revival just continues all the time. There's no beginning, there's no ending, there's no starting or stopping to revival. And here's, here's what many of us do as Christians, and I never really owned one of these as a Christian, but some of you remember the days of the lucky rabbit's foot? Sometimes people would have it and they'd have it on a keychain. People would have it hanging from their car mirror. What in the world? What does a rabbit's foot have to do with luck? And by the way, for the Christian, there is no such thing as luck. We don't believe in luck, folks. We believe in the Lord. But you know what we treat, watch this, you know what we treat 1 John 1, 9 as? A lucky rabbit's foot. Hey, I'm saved. The Bible says once you've had eternal life, Eternal means forever. So look, I can't miss heaven because I'm saved. But when we sin, oh, pull out 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what happens is when we get right, God, right with God, many times what we're thinking is, I'm just going to go do it again. But I got 1 John 1, 9. I can pull it out anytime I want. I know if you're listening this morning, I've been there. We know that verse is there. And by the way, aren't you glad 1 John 1, 9 is in the Bible? I certainly am. How many times will God forgive us? Remember that account in the Bible? How many times should I forgive him? Well, three times. No, till seven be times seven. Okay. My wife, she's on 368. Boy, she ain't got far to go. And when she gets to 490, boom, it's gone. That's the end of it. God help you if you're keeping count. Because the whole idea of the 70 times 7 has nothing to do with the number or the times. It basically has this idea, look, when you are counting that far, eventually you're going to forget. God has forgiven us. He remembers our sin no more. They're buried in the depths of the sea, as far as the east is from the west. Now see this, this 1 John 1, 9. I mean, we're glad that it's there. We're glad we can confess our sins as many times as we need to. But can I tell you that when we confess our sins and we know that maybe eventually we might do it again, we will never have revival. Listen to me, you will never experience revival in your life if you continue in the same old sin. I love that song Kenny and Becky sang. I was sitting up here on the platform and I was thinking about my mother-in-law who was probably singing in heaven while they were singing that song. That was our favorite hymn. Oh, victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. He sought me, and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew it. I'm telling you, folks, we have a wonderful Savior. But when I think of continuing in the same old sin, you know, this is something that the nation of Israel struggled with. By the way, Israel's not the only one. But notice what the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said. To what purpose is this, is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? God, I was in church. I gave money today, Lord. Well, bless your little pea-picking heart. That's what God says. He says, I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more, what's that next word? Vain. The word vain means empty. God says, don't bring me your empty offerings. He says, incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths 
the calling of assemblies. God says, I cannot away with. It is iniquity. That's a word synonymous with sin. Even the solemn meeting, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, oh, a lot of churches today, oh, oh. The Bible says if you're going to lift up your hands, lift up holy hands. All this praise and worse garbage it makes God sick. I Look, I, again, I'm not underestimating. If God is speaking to you and you want to raise your hands, hey, listen, you do it, but make sure you do it in the Lord. You do it as unto the Lord. We see much of this going on even today that Isaiah talked about in his day where God says, my soul hates these things. Notice what as we read on. God says, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Back in 1 Samuel, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience is the very best way to show that you be. We sing that song, and honestly, we mean absolutely nothing while we're singing that song unless we are obeying the Lord. God says, look, your sacrifices the money you put in the offering, you sitting in a chair in a church house, wearing your fancy clothes, God says, I'd rather you obey me than all of that. Sometimes, again, what we do is we think that we're doing things that please God, and all the while, what are we doing? We're slopping around in the world. God's saying to us, awake to righteousness and Sin not. See, we need to decide today. I, look, I, I have no idea what's going on in your heart, heart. You know why? Because the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who could know it? The reality is maybe this morning you don't even know your own heart. But I think we're, every Christian this morning make a decision to get right with God and stay right with God. Boy, this world would be a different place. God's first alarm, awake to righteousness. The second alarm was the alarm of revival and sin not. Look back at verse 34 at the third alarm. He says in verse 34, For some have not the knowledge of God. This is the alarm of redemption. Do you know that there are people that are lost in their sin? There are people today that live in this world, millions of people that do not know Christ as their Savior. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 3, if our gospel, the word gospel means good news, this very same chapter, if you go back to verses 3 and 4, you see that he describes it as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, that is what made our salvation possible. That's the good news. You're not going to find the good news on ABC, NBC, CBS, or Fox. You're going to find the good news in God's holy word. And the Bible tells us, look at it, if our gospel, what God has given to us, if it be hid, notice it is hid to them that are what? Isn't that sad? That here we have the truth. Oh, I'm saved. Praise God. What about those around you that are lost? Because the Bible says that if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, that's a little letter G there. See that in your Bible? The God of this world, that's Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, 
should shine unto them. Now watch this. Let's say that you have God here, for sake of illustration, and let's say over here you have lost people. So you have God over here, you have lost people here. By the way, God is everywhere and lost people are everywhere. And you know who God put between himself and lost people? The saved, those that are in Christ. So here we are, saved people. We're the church. But the life that we're living, God says, awake to righteousness. Sin not. Because some, look at it, some have not the knowledge of God. How many of you remember what it was like before you got saved? You remember that? You did, you, now look, I grew up religious. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. So God saved me. So you know what he did? Now I am his ambassador. You are too. We're, here's God. Here we are. Here's the lost. So notice, God, God is shining his light, the light of the glorious gospel. God wants that light to shine to the lost. But you know what's blocking that light? Christians, the way we're living our lives. People over here going, yeah, that guy at work, he says he's a Christian. Says he goes to church every Sunday. Boy, he sure doesn't live like one. Amazing how unsaved people know how Christians should live. How unsaved people know how Christians should act. And you know what's a shame is? is people are not getting saved. They don't have a knowledge of God because of us. See, there's lost people in the world today. And the Bible says that God wants his light to shine unto them. Why? Because God wants the sinner to be saved. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Notice the promise of God. As some men count slackness, but God is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many people does God want to be saved? All, right? According to the Bible. I'm sorry, Mr. Calvinist. God wants everyone to be saved. But when you look at the word of God, Paul told Timothy, for this is a good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Well, again, here's God. God wants the light of the glorious gospel to shine because there are some who have no knowledge of God. And what we need to do is help. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But many times the life we live, we're, we're hindering people from being saved and the devil loves it. You know why? Because the devil doesn't want people to be saved. The devil wants everyone to be as miserable as he's going to be one day. He's going to do anything he can to keep people from trusting Christ as their Savior. If you're here this morning, the devil doesn't want you to be saved. Here's a question this morning. Is the devil more powerful than God? No. He's a created being. God created him. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have. Notice, underline that in your Bible. You are children of God, and you have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. God, all God's people said to that, what? Amen. You know what amen, amen means? If you're visiting with us today, it means I agree. Some of you ought to just pinch your mate from time to time when it's time to say amen. It's okay in church to say amen. We go to a sporting event. Go! You know, just say amen whenever you hear something you agree with, something that the word of God, something that God speaks to you about during the message. Say amen, preacher. Like the guy in church years ago, he used to sit there and he, didn't, he, he could never remember the word. And, and he'd say, shake that bush, preacher. Listen, God wants us to understand that the devil 
is on a leash. God is in control of what's going on. Satan cannot stop God from saving people. Yesterday, we got ready to go out. I know people have things to do. We had ladies that went to a ladies' conference. You know how many people we had go out? Count little Ezra? Four. Four. I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. But yes, I am. You know why? Because the Bible says, go into all the world with the gospel. The Bible says, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Say, oh, I'm, I'm obeying God. No, you're not. Because the Bible says, be a witness. Now, not everybody can make it to the scheduled outgoing times that we do, maybe Saturday morning, but make sure you're carrying gospel tracts and talking to people and handing out some good news. People need to know that if they don't trust Christ, they're going to spend eternity without him. Eternity is a long time. Do we care? The alarm of redemption. The light of the gospel is still shining, but we're blocking it. The gospel is hid to them. Why? Because of us. Hey, look, I hope that you can say that someday there will be someone in heaven because of you. But the thought this morning is, will there be someone in hell someday because of you? Because the Bible says some have not the knowledge of God. People are not saved. They're lost, but they can be saved. See, we need to understand God is not willing. God wants all men to be saved. And ladies, that word men is all-inclusive. God wants everyone to be saved. There's one last alarm that I want you to see. Pastor, you got all this out of one verse? Yeah, absolutely. Look at the fourth alarm this morning. We saw the alarm of righteousness and the alarm of revival. And the alarm of redemption, but the last alarm is the alarm of regret. What's your life going to be at the end? You're going to have regrets? Boy, I wish I'd have done this, wish I'd have done that. I think a lot of people are going to have regrets. I think 